Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network with season six of 24. Still into the good stuff. We are on to episode number two, uh, which is 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. of day six. Aired January 14, 2007. Same day as 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. As hours tend to be in the same days, but uh, there's only two times that happens uh, this season. Um, this is the first of the, the two-night premiere, or the, the second half of the first of the two-night premiere. It's episode two. That's all that matters. Uh, this is directed by a friend of the show, John Kassar, and written by Manny Cotto. And it stars Jack Bauer and uh, Cal Penn and Academy Award winner Regina King. And Great start a bunch of the episode, <laughs> Colin. You're doing well. Well, I'm on to the exciting stuff now. A bunch of actors from Star Trek shows that somebody obviously had a soft Patrick spot for. Stewart. That, uh, and William Shatner and the ghost of Leonard Nimoy all are he here was today. alive in 2007? He, he, he was. Um, so the ghost of whoever died before. The ghost of Gene Roddenberry is in this episode oh. playing a terrorist. Um, he plays the suicide bomber's bomb. Um, anyways, <laughs> enough of that. Uh, I'm tired already. My name is Colin, and you can't even pronounce my name. And my name is Ben, and drop the coffee. Uh, and I was going to go to, uh, by backup, my name is Colin, and this is going to get much worse. Uh, but we're still a couple weeks away from that. Uh, it's it's, it's yeah. a good period. I literally marked down one quote for this episode, so you know what my closing line will be <laughs> as well. Uh, what happened on January 7th? We talked about the last week. Do we have any updates? Did anything uh, else happen January 7th? To be 17? honest with you, I didn't, I didn't have it open because I thought that well we don't care it's the same week. as last week yeah, yeah you know unless anything uh, oh i know this year happened differently but it's not january anymore it's october when we're recording this episodes so. one and two of season six to 24 aired uh, on this date yes they that's did. what we missed last week phantom menace and the attack of the clones they aired on this day the 24 <laughs> i don't like bombs they're loud and exploding <laughs> and they get everywhere uh and Luckily, Jack Bauer didn't get everywhere this week. He lives another day, well, a couple of seasons away from that as well. Uh, but uh, some stuff happens here, some stuff that I remember loving, some stuff that now I am a little bit more into where you were at last week. Uh, I know where this is going to go. Talking to you, Regina King, I know where this is going to go. I'm not too happy about it. Talking to you, Harry Lennox. Uh, having said that, I love Regina King. I love Harry Lennox. Love them in anything else. I don't even mind them in this. Like They're good with what they have. It's just... It's Palmer Drama version 3.0. Um, I don't know. Well, there, there's some good stuff in this episode, though. It's definitely not last week, but uh, it, it's still solid. I think it's a slight improvement on on last week. As you'll see, my ranking's very slight, uh, just because I, I think kind of some of the action at the end. But, yeah, there's just the stuff that creeps in, and there's classic 24 tropes of 
like yelling at the screen of like, why don't you just tell them or why? Like they just create pointless drama for the sake of creating pointless drama. I mean, I think Harry Lennox and Regina King, again, I'm with you. I like them. I think they dangle carrots of this is something good, but it just goes somewhere that's not really that great. And you just kind of forget about them. That's the problem with them. But uh, again, there's some stuff. There's these elements of this Jack sort of, you know, doesn't know what to do, which again, in reflection is good when they show it. But then also Jack an hour ago was bearded and tortured and wimpy and everything. And now within five minutes of this episode, he's like, damn it, give me the president. Ah, I'm going to, I need to, ah, it's like, Jesus, Jack, you can flick a switch and then you can't torture someone. So I don't know. There's some bits and bobs here and there. Um, But I mean, I think as, as good as these first four episodes are, I mean, again, you got to take them with a grain of salt. They're good for this season. Um, yeah. I think that if you take, the first three, again, I will still stand by that episode four of this season is a is a top ten episode. Um, you know, take the top th- first three in isolation and compare them to last season or other seasons. They're not going to be, you know, super amazing episodes. But again, we know what we've got to come this season. So, you know, let's let's make the most of this, Colin Hilding. Yeah, let's make the most of it. Uh, let's just talk about the exciting stuff right away, which is, uh, well, no, I, I guess this basically has to be chronological. It's another one of those. Um, I was going to say, let's get, let's get the Palmer drama out of the way, but well, no, you know what? Let's do that. Could. Let's get the Palmer drama. The Palmer drama is one thing we could actually get the way. And how long has it been since we said Palmer drama? It's been a good solid two years now. Three. See? Yeah. I guess season three, really. Three seasons. I mean, I yeah. Guess, so probably about yeah. two years since we covered an episode with Palmer drama. Yeah. Um, basically we get introduced to the Palmer's long lost sister that I'm sure they only found out about, uh, at the beginning of the season as well. Uh, Sandra, they call her Sandra, but it's weird. Like on screen, it's a, do you pronounce that name differently? Sandra and Sandra? Cause like Sandra would be S O N and Sandra would be uh, S A N. We're very, I mean, as Australians, we just Sandra in our accent. Like, but I, I, I don't, I don't know if it's a Canadian thing too, but I, I do hear that some Americans will say Sandra and Sandra. Like it just, yeah, it assumed like even back in survivor days, you'd hear them say that differently every now and then. So yeah. Sandra Diaz twine. Sandra. Maybe it's just if you're from certain parts of the country. Oh, I'm Sandra. But then if you're from other parts, yeah. you're Sandra. <laughs> uh well this is Sandra. She's no Sandra. She's uh, a Palmer. But it's the Sandra Palmer. <laughs> Sandra Palmer. <laughs> Darling. Darling. Hello, I'm Sandra Palmer. Uh, I mean, Regina King's obviously a much bigger deal now than she was in 2000, what, seven here when this episode's airing. Mm. Uh, Academy Award winner now. But, uh, I mean, even at the time, I remember being like, oh, it's the lady from Jerry Maguire and Enemy of the State. I mean, those are my go-tos. I don't know how many other things. Well, were you familiar with her for anything prior to this? Was she on Nip Tuck or Third Watch? Anything else on your radar? <laughs> she, she wasn't on Nip Tuck or Third Watch. Um, I'm pretty sure I knew who she was. Um Either that or when she became a thing, I was like, hey, she's from 24. Um, I know Harry Lennox was definitely one of those guys who, like, when he was in, like, Man of Steel and that, like, hey, he's from 24. Uh, let me look at it. I'm pretty sure I knew who she was. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely know when she Mighty won Joe off. Young? I would have seen that as a kid. Who didn't? That was a, a staple of every childhood uh, box sets. Um where are you, Regina King? Why was she Regina King? Because it's Sandra yeah. Regina. <laughs> Sandra. It's like, Regina. hey, you call Saskatchewan, you know, Regina. Um, yeah. I'm looking here. Daddy Daycare, probably. I would have known her from. <laughs> Seriously. Nah, yeah. I would have seen that a fair bit as a kid. Um, Ray. 
Yeah, I like six wives in that movie. She was one of them, I'm I, guessing. I, I know, like, this was after 24, but I know, yeah, now that I see this, she was a prominent character in Southland, which is a great show, which I always recommend. Mm-hmm. We talked about that on our Third Watch coverage. It's kind of almost the, the spiritual successor to Third Watch. Um, yeah, maybe it, it would have been purely uh, Daddy Daycare and then this. I miss Congeniality too, I guess, because she was, like, the main... She was, like, Sandra Bullock's, like, I guess partner in that movie from memory wasn't mm-hmm. she? Wasn't she like the backup? Never, FBI never saw agent? It's not as good as the first one, um, <laughs> but yeah. Other than that, it was Sandra but she's Palmer. Here. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely recognize it mostly because I mean Jerry Maguire. She's very memorable. I don't know. Have you ever seen that movie? Or we if, uh... covered it, didn't we? And I was not like I was like, no, we didn't. Yes, we did, didn't we? Oh no, I watched it. Yeah, I watched. Nope. It. Okay, we didn't cover it, but I watched it a few <laughs> years ago when I was like. It's fine, but it's not as great as everyone says it is. But yeah, you shut your mouth. Make uh, me. <laughs> uh, I mean, anytime that we have a long weekend, it's just become a thing where I'm like, let's watch a bunch of Tom Cruise movies. And I've been rec- uh, rec- not Jerry Maguire. We actually did watch, and she's amazing in that. She plays Cuba Gooding Jr.'s very loudmouth wife. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, Enemy of the State with uh, Will Smith. But uh, oh, yeah. there's uh, this is nothing to do with it. But uh, Tom Cruise movie American Made, where he uh, played like a a pilot that was working with the CIA or against CIA, I can't remember, whatever. I, I've been saying I wanted to watch it forever, and she was like, nah, that movie is boring. And then all of a sudden last night, she's like, hey, you know what movie was we, we saw before? American Made, we should watch that. And I'm like, I've been recommending that for three months. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, back on Tom Cruise. She was in Jerry Maguire with Tom Cruise, Ooh. so she's automatically amazing. I'd like to be back uh, on Tom Cruise, and so would he, because he's gay. Look, at, think about this. This woman has been married to Cuba Gooding Jr. and good friends with Tom Cruise, she was married to Will Smith. She's sister to Dennis Haysbird and D.B. Woodside. She's got an Academy Award. She's done it all. Well, I mean, um, let's be honest. I think a lot of people are still married to Will Smith, and you find out they've been separated for seven <laughs> years. Uh, <laughs> I thought that made CNN. Jada Pinkett Smith reveals they've been separated for seven years. Okay. Um, I was like, whoa. Where have I been sleeping? <laughs> Where am I? What, what, what's the point of the slap last year then? Like, why was that made? Why did you react so badly? Will Smith, if you're not even together, together? Anyway. Well, but Harry Lennox, the other oh, one in this storyline, I mean, we we did talk about him, what was it, last year or the year before? Because he was in uh, both The Matrix Reloaded and Matrix Revolutions. And Man of Steel. Uh, and, well, Man of Steel too, yeah. But, I mean, even prior to this, I think I, I recognized him like, oh, it's that guy who was kind of annoying in the matrix sequels. Cause he's really, I think we talk about it in the matrix sequels, like not his fault. I mean, the writing's really bad, but like his character does nothing wrong, but just gets portrayed as the villain in that movie. But uh, he, he pops up in a lot of stuff uh, nowadays. There was also another show he was on called dollhouse. I know I've talked mm. about that before. Have you ever seen dollhouse? Never seen it. Good show, but uh, cool. uh, yeah, I love both of these actors, uh, but um, the storyline, not too crazy about, it. I mean, basically she's, running i guess uh, she's a lawyer she's working for this islamic charitable organization or something like islamic society i don't know exactly what they're supposed to be um kind of like the uh w- w- there is something that in real life that is like this what is it uh not the um, naacp that's something else so <laughs> i'm sounding ignorant Careful. uh there, there, there's something there's a very specific organization that uh this is i think is kind of based on harry lennox is obviously working for it and uh, the FBI shows up. Now, this is one of our two Star Trek actors in this movie and a prominent Star Trek actor, too. So this FBI agent, the, the white one, um, the, I, I don't remember Thanks what his name is in here. That. The white one. <laughs> well, I have to be equally discriminative in this episode. I've already Ugh, said, oh, white. not the NLACP, the other one. Uh, but uh, the other, the, 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 the white guy here, the other one. Uh, so this actor, he's uncredited in the episode, but this is Robert Duncan McNeil. I looked at him like, 
Is that the guy who's on like Star Trek Voyager? Because I mean, Star Trek Voyager is like easily the weakest Star Trek show, in my opinion. Uh, but uh, he was one of the main characters on that. And he's here uncredited. And I, I know that there are a lot of people on the the crew for 24 that had worked on Star Trek shows before. So I was trying to find this episode. I mean, John Cassar directed it. It's not going to be him. Manny Cotto wrote it, who was, I believe, the showrunner for Star Trek Enterprise. But that was like post-Voyager. But the only thing I could think of is that uh, you know, Robert Duncan, a lot of these Star Trek actors after the show's end, they just get into directing for other Star Trek shows. So Manny Cotto maybe called in a favor and got him in here, as well as our other actor we're going to get to later on. But uh, uh, I, I thought, oh, okay, well, I don't remember this guy in it. I think this is his only episode. I don't think we so see wait, him again. We see this, the other FBI agent. So hang on. So this guy, the main FBI guy, the white guy who comes in, right? Yeah. Which, which, which I, I'm trying to find him. I cannot find him on either IMDb or on 24 because this guy looks familiar to me as well. But what's his name? Robert Duncan McNeil is the actor's name. Robert, uh, I'm if, not seeing him listen. Where, where the hell did you find him? Because he is not on IMDb so, or 24 Wiki. <laughs> so so I, I had to look it up because I'm like, that's definitely got to be it. So I searched Robert Duncan McNeil 24. And then I got this page here where it says Robert Duncan McNeil is an actor who played an FBI agent during season six. Um, uh, does not have his character arrested Yusuf Amar, uh, along with agents while Ahmed Amar protested. Um, now that would have been the first episode, but he, he played the same character. I don't know if it's supposed to be a different character, the same character, cause he's not credited in this episode, but this is a hundred percent the same guy. Like if you look him up on IMDb in, in the previous yeah. episode, the screenshot they had of him, he's got sunglasses, but like this is 100% the same kind, guy here. Kind of like the thing that I love about this guy is that usually when someone is like uncredited, right? Like they still credit, like they still put them on INTV. This guy is just invisible. Yeah. He's not even yeah. like on there. Because even the picture of him in, in the on 24 Wiki, Wiki is, a, is a not, it's a picture of a different guy from seasons. That's, isn't that um, somebody else getting arrested? He's yeah, character. well, th th that's that's crediting him is from the first episode, but he doesn't look like him in that episode or in that in that shot there. But if you look up Robert Duncan McNeil, like look up pictures of this guy, that is a hundred percent the guy who is the white FBI agent here. So they've, I don't know if the wiki page got, has it wrong, it wrong or something. They've got on the wiki page because they're saying he played yeah. it during six a.m. That was last week's episode. Like if this is yeah. the guy, that's not even him in the photo. Because I'm looking at that photo. That's not the guy who arrests Sandra and uh, Harry Lennox. It's a different guy. Yeah. I'm not doubting but you. You're, you're the Star Trek. <laughs> I know nothing about the fucking show. Uh, but yeah. It's like, the guy. Yeah. It's just looking at other pictures of him. He's gotten older and put on weight. But good for him. Yeah, good for him. It's good to get old and put on weight. As you should. Age um, gracefully, Hollywood. <laughs> but uh, basically, they come here and they're uh, trying to get information. Uh, they come back with a warrant. Um, Sandra uh, debates that whether their warrant is valid. And he says, well, that's just your opinion, ma'am. Uh, and then she says, fine, go ahead. The, the files you want are in this room. They go there. They can't find anything. And then she comes in and very conveniently, she's like, you're not going to find them. I put them through like a shredding program or the shredding algorithm. I don't remember what she says. Uh, was like, you're, they're guaranteed you're not going to find them. This is just like we, we complained about this at one point last season with, uh, I think it was with the recording. It's like, trust me, it is gone. There was no way to retrieve this. And they look and they're like, She's right. We're not getting this back. <laughs> you haven't tried anything. I could um, like, can... download it. Like if I accidentally delete something and empty my recycle bin, there are programs you can download that go into the depths of your computer and oh, you can yeah. find it. I'm sorry, FBI. If I can do that off Google, <laughs> you can do it too. And there's a system restore feature built yes. into Windows. Just restore it to five minutes ago. Uh, you know? It's probably a Mac. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> oh, they're, they're definitely using Max. Yeah, you're yeah. never getting that back. Ooh, uh, but easier uh, to use. Fuck <laughs> so she basically owns up to doing this. They say they want to place Harry Lennox under arrest. She said, oh, but he had nothing to do with this. They take him to custody anyways. She calls Wayne. She's blaming Lennox, not Harry Lennox, but Thomas Lennox, uh, blaming Peter McNichol McNichol or whatever his new name is uh, for doing this, which is true. He, he has kind of put these people on it. Uh, and she's telling Wayne, call him off. And Wayne basically refuses to do it. That's it for Palmer drama this week. We're going to get into the really exciting stuff next week where it basically becomes Harry Lennox in prison for what half of the season. Yeah. Look, it's, uh, there's stuff here that's interesting, but as is most of the case with anything Palmer drama related, when you really analyze it, the Palmers are not great at what they do because like, Regina King, like, I, I get this first bit, like, they come in, they don't have a warrant, okay, but this is where I think you need to let this simmer for an episode or two because does this really make sense that the FBI would come back 20 minutes later? Because, mm-hmm. the, and even, like, with the Peter McNichol McNichol stuff, like, he's only just put people into place. Like, does he, as the chief of staff, does he have the, the right to tell the FBI to go and start arresting Muslims yeah. and, like, looking, like, it, it doesn't make sense. So this is where you need to let it sit for an hour or two, have Lennox, like, go to Palmer and be like, hey, there's been another attack, we really need to, and then start doing it once, like, Palmer's sort of slowly caving into Lennox's kind of slightly bigoted demands. But, like, Mm -hmm. and I think what it makes it, it starts off showing, like, Sandra is, like, a really strong, like, cool, awesome, but then all of a sudden when she comes in, say, you're not going to find the files because I deleted them. (laughs) Like, yes, well done, Sandra Palmer, sister of the president. Go to the FBI and say you obstructed their uh, investigation. (laughs) That's smart. And then what, what do you do to make it like seem like, oh, but we've got to feel for these people. Let's arrest the innocent, slightly ethnic guy because he's going to be like targeted against because he is of a different nationality that we are slightly targeting. Which again, Harry Lennox putting on a slightly like Middle Eastern African accent. <laughs> <His> accent. <laughs> um, but like, again, there's just, there's things there that you kind of, you go in the right direction and you take it away. It sums up season six in a nutshell. It's just like you've got something there, but then you steer in the wrong direction. And I think the thing that irks me the most is that, like, I, I'm pretty sure this was advertised as Sandra Palmer. Like, this was known before the season. Yeah. But the way they reveal this, it's kind of like last week how it's just subtle, like, Mr. President, you reveal up and it's Wayne. Like, for those who didn't see the preseason press, this is kind of like you start off seeing Sandra and it's kind of you just you just keep seeing her name, Sandra, Sandra. And then, like, when the FBI comes in, she's like, I'm going to ring my brother. And they're kind of like, no, you can't do that. She's like, you watch me. She gets on the phone. Hello, yes, I would like to speak to my brother, please. It is Sandra Palmer. And then, like, you cut to, like, the White House, and it's like, uh, Mr. President, your sister Sandra's on the phone. And then it's just kind of like they overemphasize this whole thing of, like, the president's sister. And again, like, I get it. You can explain this away. In the three seasons we had David, like, it... You know, you can. They've probably got seventeen other brothers. We don't. We don't need to hear them all. Yeah. So, like, episode one. Welcome to twenty four. I'm David Palmer. This is my family tree. Like, you don't need that. <laughs> but like, it's just there are certain elements around this that make no sense. Again, last season when he is assassinated, why isn't it shown on the screen? All you need is a line that says David Palmer is survived by his brother Wayne and his sister Sandra. If you dangled that last mm-hmm. season and you introduce her, great. I don't even know if any of the literature that you you know how like the writers will create a backstory and you get in like yeah. a twenty four guide. I've got a file on David Palmer in one of the books that says he went to this college, he studied this degree. I don't know if before this season they ever said had a sister, but it just, it feels very soap opery. And the one bit that I sort of cringe a little bit is when they're on the phone at one point and she mentions David at some point, like, and Wayne's a bit like, 
oh, you know, David like, never liked Lennox either. That's yeah, what it was. The way the way they kind of said that, and you just kind of see like that's that's Wayne Palmer's like, don't ever call me chicken. Like he just he he straight away is like, <laughs> don't mention David. Like he's like, <gasps> and then you see even why like, did you say that name? <laughs> even Sandra's just a bit like, uh oh, I I crossed the line there. I mean, it's I don't hate this, but it's just like it it's just. Again, you know where it goes, and you just are so yeah. sporadic with these characters. Once Harry Lennox ends up in a hospital, Regina King's in a hospital for most of it, just on the phone half the time, and then when Wayne Palmer is in a hospital, like it's just like she just becomes the doubting woman in a hospital room. It's fucking Regina King. Like I, I, I get it. This well, is two thousand and seven, a decade before she's an Academy Award winner. But like, come on. Um, I'm actually wondering because uh, I thought that she was a bigger part of this season. I mean, she's in mm, it late in the season, episode, but then I, I look up. Yeah, but and those three where she comes back later on are like much later. She really only she, has she, this opening six episodes yeah. as far as her story. She, she literally disappeared. And like those last ones later on, if you remember what happens to Wayne, she's just basically the one making decisions and going off at people. She she really does mm-hmm. nothing. This it like it it kind of goes nowhere because once again, it's these are the days of our Jack Bauer's family lives. Like this sort of stuff just kind of gets completely forgotten about in like four or five episodes. I think one of the other things is that I, I understand why her character is there. Her character is there just to serve the story that they yeah. needed to tell throughout the season. You needed somebody when something happens to Wayne later on, you needed somebody as a face there. Wayne doesn't have Gina Torres alive anymore, you know, to, to be the, the, the wife at his no. bedside or anything. Rip. Uh, but like even analyzing this story. And I think at the time, you know, because she's a Palmer, you assume this is her story. This is Harry Lennox's story. She's a background character in his you know, story arc that we're going to have for the it's, next five weeks or four weeks now. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, we touched on it. We're going to see that with the um, the the other storyline around what's his face and and the kid. It's it's you, you got to kind of like humanize and like I like this. We talked about this last week. We like the fact that you're delving into this period of of Muslims and Islamic people and like Middle Eastern people who are being who are innocent who are being targeted because of other people of their race and ethnicity and religions who are doing bad things. And that's wrong. And I, I like the fact that a show that is so renowned for these are terrorists, this is what they look like of trying to like balance that out by going like, well, Hey, mm-hmm. but then you've got innocent people who are getting caught up in this. So I like the idea with that. And you kind of got a good balance where you've got Thingo who everyone is like, they're defending him. You're not a terrorist just because you're from the Middle East, but he actually is a terrorist versus this guy who's just in an office. Who's just an admin guy. Um, and then you kind of counterbalance that with like, well, if they just went along with the FBI, then this wouldn't have happened. So, but then you just you go a different direction. You don't need to make this the Palmer's sister. It could just be. Yeah. I mean, why not make Regina King like his girlfriend or like his partner at the time or something like that? Like, I mean, you and could have do that. her have the accent. Yeah. And then it's all her story. You don't have like she doesn't have to be a person in the background. Yeah. Just be like the part, you know, like this is a secret relationship. Like, cause, I mean, Wayne never, I think, outside of Gina Torres, like implied that he's in a relationship with anyone. So. Lennox. Except his country. <laughs> America. Oh yes, he loves his country. <laughs> My country, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm still trying to find what the, I'm. I'm trying to remember what that group is that they're they're obviously based in this Islamic society on. But uh, uh, maybe that'll be the next week thing. Um, we could actually just get the Cal Penn stuff out of the way as well. Um, so uh, after last week, he's hiding out with uh, the neighbors, their houses, the the boy. Now, what is the boy's name? Um, the boy. He mentions his name in this. I, I like. I don't know any of those. I feel, it anyway. <laughs> I feel sad. I, I feel sad. I'm like I, I was just writing down Cal Penn for all of my notes until he said you don't even know how to pronounce my name, and I'm thinking like 
I don't even know what his name is. is. Scott? Um, Scott or Ray? Uh, Scott, Scott is the boy. Scott. Yeah, Scott. you're right. Yeah. So Ray's the dad that I'm guessing. Um, yeah, so Calpan Ahmed. I don't want to mispronounce Ahmed, uh, although I probably just did. But uh, he's hiding out with them. He gets a phone call from, um, I was going to call him Saeed. That's a, another terrorist. We had Fayed. Uh, Fayed, Saeed. Terrorist seven. Close. <laughs> uh, but, but they're all Middle Eastern. That's 24 story. Yeah, uh, was now. Middle Eastern? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, within this, this season, is Henderson. I mean, Henderson. He, the Drazens? He, he was well tanned. Uh, the Drazens had tan to them. Uh, anyways, this guy, Fayed, calls up uh, Cal Penn, says, uh, I need you to bring me the package. He goes, well, this kid just won't leave me alone. Then, then get rid of him or get out of there or whatever. Bring me the package. Uh, so he eventually tries to leave. The kid follows him. Now, this is where, like, I don't mind this kid, but there's something that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way about how attached he is to Cal Penn because he's he's like following him around. It's like, wait, 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 but it's not, it's not safe for you to go. And then he says later, he's like, but we're friends. And I'm like, are you? You saw your neighbor. Like, this guy's, Calp is what, 25 years old? You're a 15-year-old kid? Like, are you guys hanging out on weekends? And if you are, that's a little bit creepy. But he's like, we're friends. And then he tries to give him his necklace. And I'm like, are you guys going steady now? Like, what is this? This kid's just very, very forward I, with this grown man who lives across the street from him. I empathize with this kid because he's lonely and wants friends. And he doesn't know how to make them. All right? So leave him alone. You leave Scott alone. He wanted to give him his uh, necklace. And I'm I kind of read it as now, you bastard. <laughs> but again, I'm filling in my own blanks here because we don't really have a backstory on these people. But I'm filling in my, my own blanks that like these this people. This, Excuse me, these people. <laughs> those rich, rich white suburban people. You know, uh, the other ones are fine, but uh, that they maybe don't have that close a relationship. But because. He's like, the rest of the world's all against... And there are definitely people like this. Like, I am, I am on the side of my Muslim friends that I don't actually have any of, you know? <laughs> he, he's taking up a cause. That's kind of the way that I'm reading this. But when he tries to give him the necklace, it's just it's a little bit weird. Like he's giving him his, his ring or his jacket. Uh, here, I want you to have this. You know, it shows that you're mine. You're my property now. Uh, but uh, th- th- I think this is where he says he doesn't even know his name. Um, there is also a scene here. I don't know if it happened before, or after a scene where the the neighbor, the guy who tried to break in his house earlier on, he attacks him, and uh, of course, this guy must be a racist. Um, he's assuming he's a terrorist, except weirdly that in this case, he actually is a terrorist. So this guy, he had the wrong idea, but he turns out to be right, and that's really the story of a lot of the season. And that's where I'm starting to see maybe some cleverness with how the writers wrote this. Like I mentioned last week, their their idea that they wanted this to be stereotype everybody's you know uh racially profiling but then they're like but when you really think about it like realistically there, there's there's maybe 10 percent of this that might be right and I, I don't know whether that was intentional on their part where they're like we want to make this guy who's making you know racial judgments actually have him be right it it, it just it makes you pause when you think about the yeah. fact it's like yes i know this guy's a racist but in this case he probably could have stopped but, terrorism but i, I get it and I understand what you're saying, but at the same time, I'm sure if, if you just went outside and bashed like a hundred people, I'm sure that at least two of them are probably hit worth, one. <laughs> worthy of being bashed. But the 98, like, I mean, like this guy, like probably literally, like, I mean, he's dead. But like at the end of the day, if he sees what happens in like two hours, he would have been like, fuck, I actually bashed a real terrorist. Wasn't just bashing a yeah. Muslim. I'm right. Okay. It, like every it, now and, and then again, we do a good episode. Saying... Like out of a out of hundred episodes, we might do a good one. No one listens to it, but you know. 
I yeah, I mean, on episode what thirty eight of uh, twenty four, when we were back in season two, I think we had at least one good one back then. Good times. We're I due for another well. one now. Don't remember it well. But again, I'm not saying in any way I agree with this neighbor attacking him and assuming he's a terrorist, except for the fact I'm like it. It makes it clever to think the fact that in this case, he actually is a terrorist. It's ironic. That's a good way of phrasing it. And then you wonder if this racist had actually gotten him and killed him. Would there be any left of the season? You know, where would it have stopped? At some point, you're going to hit a brick wall where you're like, wait, but Cal Penn never showed up at the it's, package. It's one of these things which are like, you know, you always have these like what sliding door moments, this sort of thing. Again, I've been talking a lot. I've been on a bit of a 9-11 kick recently. And I watched this like um, interview with a, uh, he was a ticket agent at like the Boston airport on 9-11 or something like that. And he let like one of the terrorists who got on the plane and hijacked and flew into the World Trade Centers was late. So like he like decided to let him on the plane and he like lives with guilt 20 years later. Like, oh no, what if I didn't let him on? Okay, fair enough. That one probably wouldn't have flown into the tower, but I'm sure they had backup plans. Oh, if we miss our plane, yeah. let's just get the next one. Like, I mean, like, I mean, I get, <laughs> I get it. I get completely get what you're saying, my friend. And I'm sure that would leave you with guilt, but you personally would not have stopped 9-11. The other three would have still done their thing. So sorry, mate, that you live with that guilt, but yes. But this this could have set off. This is like back to the future. You know, all you did was go back and gave Biff a sports almanac and then look at all the things that changed. I mean, season six could have came out as the greatest season in the history of 24 if that package just had been stopped right there. Exactly. Um Anyways, any, anything else you want to add on Cal Penn and, and Scott here? I, I, their I love affair. I, I mean, I think it is interesting where this goes and because I also think it's sort of, you know, the dad is not really involved in it much here, but like he'll obviously become more integral into it in the, the subsequent weeks. I think what makes it interesting is is where like, this is one of those ones where you know where it goes and it actually makes it interesting because I keep talking about like this package, yeah. this package, and ultimately what this package is, is pretty devastating. So, um, and this is one thing I'll say like with the Fayed stuff where it's kind of like what we're, and obviously you're about to get to it, is like sort of, they're obviously on such a, a rampage here with their attacks that even when one fails, they're not like, oh, shit, this is the end of our, you know, attacks. They're just like, oh, well, we've got like 50 others that have gone mm-hmm. on and we've got the big ones still to come. So it's sort of, it's it's kind of interesting because, again, like judging on what you're saying, like, you know, a racist is going to eventually get their target correct, you know, out of 100 bashings. Um, you know, it's kind of like these terrorists have got like 100 attacks and if 72 of them work and, you know, whatever, like, yeah, like I'm sure Osama Bin Laden didn't sit there on 9-11 and goes, fuck, that one crashed in the field in Pennsylvania. It's a failure. Like, I mean, I'm sure he was sitting there pretty going like, all right, well, that was a good old day. What's on tomorrow? Like, I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, I don't, why do we always bring up 9-11? Uh, but yeah. Just I, just to reiterate, because Max Dawson is definitely listening right now. Thank you. We are in no way condoning this terrorist bashing his Arab neighbor. We are simply saying... Kind of interesting that this time it turned out to be a terrorist. Uh, anyways, the rest of the stuff here. So um, after Jack escaped uh, into the sewer last week, we get Fayed and his people who are already in the sewer searching. And uh, this guy brings up a great point where he goes, you got to stop chasing this one American. We got thousands of Americans, you know, uh, which is one of the things I complained about last week. Like, could, did you need to do this where you just had this personal vendetta against Jack? Is mm-hmm. there a better way that we could have 
done the story? Because I don't, I don't. Does this really come up? Does it come up that much with Fayed and his his vendetta against Jack? Does he get sidetracked on the plan because he's just uh, so bent on his revenge? I, I, I believe it does come up here and there, but I mean, like again, they just use that as a plot device to get him back into the country. That's all it was. Like it's like, mm. what are they going to do? Oh, random terrorist wants Jack Powell. Why? We don't know. Oh, we'll stuff him. Like we're not going to give him to his yeah. demands. Like it's going to be personal vendetta. Well, that means we've got to send him back to the U.S. Uh, back at CTU, Milo is completely unaware that Chloe is Jack's friend. Uh, he's really been out of touch. I'm sorry. For many seasons. Milo has been at CTU longer than Chloe. Like, I mean, surely Milo, like, would know more about Jack than Chloe. Like, come on. Think about all the gossip from the last couple seasons. Did you hear that Chloe got suspended again? Because yeah. of Bauer, right? Yeah, like, like he never caught this gossip I, I at the water cooler. I wanted to be like, bitch, please. See that room over there? I was in this office <laughs> when Jack Bauer's wife was murdered. You know shit yeah. about this man. <laughs> I was here formatting files at 5 a.m. <laughs> Uh, Jack, uh, when he gets away, he steals a car. He calls up Bill, um, tells him to call off the airstrike, that the real terrorist is Fayed and it's not Assad. Uh, nobody's really willing to listen to him. He conferences on to Wayne. I do like the Wayne says, sorry, Jack, I really am sorry, but, uh, I don't believe you. <laughs> uh, and I, I think this is one of the things that maybe I kind of underestimated about season six that works is just, they're playing on a different relationship. And I, I talked this up last week as well, that, you would never would have run into a situation where David Palmer would have sacrificed Jack Bauer. Jack understands completely. He's like, he's still the president. It's still his call to make, but this guy's not my BFF. You know, this guy's my BFF's brother. And the fact that he just sacrificed Jack's life. And then in the end, Jack comes to him. David Palmer wouldn't have stopped for a second. He would be like, all right, we want to call off that assault. We want everybody to, to follow Jack to the target. And we're going to get the real guy. But Wayne's like, no, doesn't, doesn't check out for me. Sorry. You know, and even says, I'm really sorry, Jack. Cause like, he wants to believe him. I don't know. Maybe we'll get a little bit more into this relationship of a season. I don't remember a lot of Jack Wayne interactions, but, uh, it, does it get explored any, uh, from memory? Not really. Like, I mean, it's, it, it's just, it's tying those loose ends because I mean, at the end of the day, like, I think it's kind of, it's a better relationship because I mean, what did we see between Jack and Wayne? Even season three, there wasn't a whole lot. They had a few phone calls, didn't they? And then sure, last year they went and killed a few people, but um, it was not on the extent of the David Jack. And I think you kind of need to keep that separate. Like what the Palmer simply owe this entire legacy to Jack Bauer. Okay. You saved him a yeah. couple of times in season one and season two. You didn't save him in season five. He didn't do his fucking job. So uh, yeah. <laughs> sorry, David's dead, isn't he? <laughs> Where were you when, Jack? Where were you when? <laughs> oh, I stopped doing Connie Britton. Well, I mean, we all want to be doing Connie Britton, but we also want to save Dennis Haysbert. So, you know, <laughs> make your mind up. Um, So they don't call it the airstrike. And I do love the advancements in CTU's technology this season. That We had, what was it, season three with all the video phones? Or was that season four? Four. For Cecil Ward, I have all the video phones, which were done away with in season five. Oh, they and were there, but they never used like, them. If you looked, if you paid attention to the desk, you did see oh, them on there. I think they used them like once or twice last season, but yeah. The the sockets were all full, so they couldn't get the video phones working. But now they're live streaming everything because oh, they got from inside TV. this chopper. Well, yeah, yeah, we get, but even before that, we get chopper cam. You know, oh, yeah. chopper command has got a camera right over the shoulder. They got body cam footage there. Uh, and then, of course, yeah, we, we, we have them. Doing the airstrike of the house, Jack uh, goes there to try to get to Fayed before um, or, or Assad before they get Careful. Uh, the airstrike in. Careful. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, the way that Jack takes out this guard too, like uh, this is not going to go down as one of the all-time Jack kills. But if you're just looking for like, what are some of the most greatest weapons Jack has used to take a man out? <laughs> a broken branch from a tree has got to be up there. <laughs> yeah, I wrote Jack bashes man with a stick. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Ticket he stop. takes the guy out with a branch, and we get ticket stubs later on. I was excited about that one too. Uh, but uh, yeah, so he takes up this guard. He gets into the house. Uh, now this is the other Star Trek guy. Now this guy was. I'm not going to say, you know, bigger or whatever than um, the, the FBI agent guy, but uh, the guy who plays Assad. So the actor, now he's gone by two names. He goes by Alexander Siddig, uh, but he also goes by, what's what's his name? Siddig El Fadil, mm. which I think is his birth name. A uh, couple interesting things about him. So one, he was one of the main cast members on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Star Trek Voyager is like a lesser Star Trek show. Deep Space Nine is the one that like, Almost everybody kind of agrees that is like the greatest Star Trek show of all time, even though it wasn't the most popular and came out. He was a main star on that show. Um, he's been in Vertical Limit, uh, mm. which uh, I know we're both fans of. Uh, but he's also Malcolm McDowell's nephew, which I had no idea. I can kind of see a slight family resemblance. But, um, Am I meant you know, to know who Malcolm, Malcolm McDowell is? Am I being very ignorant and not oh, knowing? I mean, you don't know who Brian Cox is, so now I'm going to have to search. What would you know Malcolm McDowell from? Uh, I mean, you ever you you probably never seen the movie A Clockwork Orange, but you've probably heard of it, right? Uh, okay, look at his face. I, yeah, my sister loved that movie, but I never watched it. I mean, he looks familiar that I see him. Yeah, he was in like the Rob Zombie. He played like the psychiatrist in the Rob Zombie Halloween remakes. If you ever saw those, come on, Colin. Uh, he also played a villain. <laughs> no. He also played a villain in one of the one of the Star Trek movies. He was also another. So we got three Star Trek guys in this. But uh, Malcolm McDowell, very very uh, esteemed actor. Uh, but uh, yeah, his nephew is um, the guy here who plays uh, Assad, uh, and and he's he's really good on the show because I was not a fan. Our spy. That's what I know him from. Malcolm McDowell's. Yeah, there we go. Look at Ben knowing him from the probably the you know, shittest movie he ever did. We covered that on here. We should have remembered him. <laughs> he also was married to Mary Steenburgen for ten years. Oh, coming soon to the um, Oz Network in a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, uh, Alexander Siddig or Siddig El Fadil or whatever. Uh, lots of stuff. Reign of Fire with Christian Bale and Matthew McConaughey. Shirtless dragon fighters. Who doesn't love that movie? Uh, Jamie sure does. Clash of the Titans. Uh, so he's still working. And he was in Skylines, the sequel to Eric Belfort's Skyline. I'm never bothered with the, the sequels because I, I, I don't know. Like I, I love that movie. I didn't movie. either. I need to rewatch Skyline. Great movie. Eric Balfour led, as you said. Saves the world with his giant yeah. dong. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we know Robert alien. De Niro could. <laughs> Eric Balfour is definitely going to take on more guys than Robert De Niro. Well, Eric or Balfour Depp is much <laughs> more packing than Robert De Niro. Trust me. Look, type in Eric Balfour's doodle. It's quite large. <laughs> uh, so Jack gets in there. He talks to. Um, I keep wanting to call him. I'm mixing these guys up. Assad, who is talking eight. to Assad. <laughs> Terrorist eight here. He's talking to him. He's saying, uh, this is what I think is going on. One of your people is probably betraying you because that's the only way that they would have, you know, had a location, all that. Uh, so he said, well, how am I going to know? Tell them to empty their pockets. Jack, <laughs> always innovative, Jack, empty their pockets. So they start to do that. They start emptying the pockets and then one guy turns on them. So they attack and Jack's like, don't worry, I'll get the confession out of him. And now I really see what you're talking about, about where they're going to drop the ball with Jack. Because we get that doubt. And this is what we wanted out of so many seasons so far, yeah. especially last season. Like, I, I was, I'm not going to say totally let down, but like a little bit let down when we got that early stuff in the, the premiere of Jack doing the cold-blooded kill just for revenge. And then you don't go anywhere anytime you bring it up where it's like, oh, he's just on a revenge mission. Have that be part of it. Like, Jack questioned himself. But here, he's saying, I'll get the information out of him. And he even looks at, I could tell by the look in his eyes. He doesn't know a thing. 
And then all of a sudden, Assad goes in there, stabs the guy. Well, I think Jack stabbed him first, but starts beating on him. Tell me where it is. Tell me where it is. Oh, okay, I'll tell you. Jack gets uh, you know completely shattered here. You can even tell the look on his face. I mean, incredible performance by Kiefer Sutherland in this episode. Just realizing, like, no, 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 I screwed up here. I've I've lost a step, uh, which as he should. I mean, this is kind of what we wanted from past seasons, and we're finally getting it here. So I, I guess we'll pause there with uh, Jack taking the house by with branches and sticks. And then um, his, his lack of uh, self-esteem now because a terrorist is better doing the terrorist's job than he is. I think a lot of like the people that we're meant to think are bad in this episode are kind of correct. I think the guy telling Fayed here, like, leave him. He's just one American. By the time he tells people our attack would have happened anyway. Correct. Yeah. You know, um, I think Karen and everyone in the White House is correct. Like, guys, like, we have been hunting this guy forever. And we're just going to take the word of a guy who's been in a Chinese prison for 18 months. Like... I know the meme and the trope is if everybody listened to Jack Bauer, the show would be called 12, not 24. And obviously, as an audience, we know Jack's correct. But like still, like there's more to it than this. The biggest thing that really pisses me off, and this is one of those like 24 tropes where they've just got to extend it. Jack Bauer rings up Bill. Bill, I've escaped. Oh my God, Jack, are you okay? Yes, uh, I've got some news for you. Um, uh, Assad is not bad. He's good. We've got to, we've got to, we've got to not kill him. Why? I can't tell you it's complicated. Put me onto the president. <laughs> tell him. Why? All you need to say is because I over fire was about to kill me and he told me this and therefore he was then like he told me the plan. He did a James Bond. He did a Blofeld. He told me the plan before he was going to kill me. Like it takes 10 seconds, Jack. And to make it better, when he says, tell me where you are, Jack takes about a minute and a half, which they keep the entire thing in the episode to send his coordinates through Google Maps or whatever he's doing. And like, like Jack, again, it's the same thing. People need to listen to Jack. Surely Jack is smart enough to go, well, they're not going to listen to me anyway. I'm not going to bother fucking calling someone. I'm just going to go get in the car and fucking save him to save myself like 30 seconds to get ahead of the game. Like we, we know what, how this is going to go. Um, so it's, it's just frustrating. But like this is, again, that like before I get into like the Jack doubt moment, it's that's great that they explore it. But again, this is a guy who literally an hour ago was like, Touched by Bill, the new sequel to Touched mm-hmm. by an Angel, Touched by Bill. <laughs> and he's like, you know, like he's a broken man and he's like, he hasn't talked for three years and all these, well, 18 months, like all these things. And now all of a sudden he's just back into full Jack mode. Like, I mean, yeah. it's just, it's, uh, it's, again, I get this show's got a 24. I get it's got to do its thing. But this is where Curtis needs to be like the new Jack. And you have Jack slowly getting back into his ways. Like what was one of the great reveals in season two in that premiere was, they, the, the big cliffhanger was when he shaved at the end and you kind of got that dun, 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 dun. like that was just a sign that Jack's kind of back and you could get away with that because he was just a depressed man on the couch hugging his how do I live photo like I mean <laughs> you can flick him back into Jack mode pretty quickly or like season four when he's like coming back in working for the DOD and you see him have that little smirk when he's getting that rush from like oh I'm back into the seat I'm back into as a field agent like that was kind of handled better and I love this stuff they do in the first four episodes when you get Jack doubt but like you want to like half a season of this, six episodes of this, eight episodes of this. And this is an issue when this guy has been tortured and completely abused for a- 18 months. But I-, I mean, yeah, I love this, like bashing someone with a tree is fantastic. I love this kind of like standoff and this kind of like Jack having to work with a, this is equivalent to Jack about having to work with a Sam Bin Laden. Cause like even Karen, yeah. the way she's like, this goes against everything that we've known for 20 years of Assad's policy. And again, literally, Think about post 9-11, if Osama bin Laden had gotten into the country and then he was stopping um, uh, ISIS when they became a thing. Like, it wouldn't make sense, but, like, you're not just going to automatically believe one man. Like, no, Osama bin Laden's good now. Like, okay, great. 
He still did 9-11. Like, I mean, <laughs> Hitler survives World War II. Oh, but he wants to help save the Jews. He still killed 6 million of them. That doesn't erase everything <laughs> that he did. Like, I could do a, a better award-winning podcast. I mean, we do, off, we do off the podium an award-winning podcast. There you go. Still doesn't stop this shit that we do right now. Like, I mean, it just... <laughs> one good thing doesn't stop all the shit. Anyway, but, like, I love this Jack Bauer-like conflict when he walks into this thing. And, like, it's a great standoff between him and Assad. And it's kind of like, you know, like, I would have come in and I would have killed you. But it's a bit like the way Jack sort of realizes, is like, one of your men led them here. They must be working to forfeit. Empty their pockets. Like... What if the terrorist just has the transponder in his bedroom drawer? Like, what if yeah. even like terrorist number twelve here is just like okay? And Jack's like, what if it's sewn into his underwear? What if it's inside of him, like the chip or something like that? Like, yeah, this swallowed it. This terrorist is so dumb that he's like, oh, he's going to get behind you. And it's like, how could you, <laughs> terrorist number eight? You are my friend. You are my brother, terrorist eight. I love <laughs> I you. I love you. <laughs> you can do. Well, now you really got me questioning, like when they're like, all right, you need this transporter and you got to make sure nobody finds it. Like, like, you know, there, there's places in your body. You can stick this where they're not going to search. He goes, you know what? The pocket will do. <laughs> like, really? I watched a six hour movie with a man rubbing a horse's asshole. Like, I mean, I'm sure you can like <laughs> Christopher Walken put up a watch up his butt and pulp fiction. Like, I mean, yeah. come on. Like, I mean, yeah, like it's it's. Uh, but again, plot's got a plot. You got to do it. It's a cool action scene, and apparently these houses are like actual, um, oh yeah, condemned houses in Los Angeles that a lot of filming studios use because you're allowed to blow them up. Like it's <laughs> it's kind of a thing that they do. Again, Los Angeles geography. How convenient that Jack was like held hostage only like two blocks from where um, Assad was staying. Why does <laughs> the fire just go and kill Assad himself? He's that fucking yeah, exactly. close. He's around the corner. Lazy. But <laughs> that now. Uh, this whole condemned area, like I read that same trivia that this is where they film, but it really made me raise a question though. When you have uh, Assad's man that Jack attacks with the tree branch, you got a guy, clearly a guard, walking a perimeter around mm. a rundown, dilapidated house. Now, nothing is going to look more suspicious than that when you got terrorist attacks all over the country. You got a Middle Eastern man walking a perimeter yeah. when he's clearly armed. Around a dilapidated house. That that, that screams terrorists move, right move, now. This move. is where... Yeah. Sorry. Th this is where the neighbors should have been coming in and not attacking Cal Penn, attacking this guy. Movie's got a movie. TV's got a TV show. It's... Yeah, it's like... My biggest thing is like... I'm sure it's the same in Canada. Like, undercover cops. Like, oh, we're undercover. Yeah. You're in the most obvious undercover cop car there is. It's like a brand new, like, fancy thing you can basically see where the <laughs> lights are going to turn. Like, why don't they just drive around in a shitty, like, Mazda 323 from the 80s? Like, no one's going to predict that that's an undercover cop car. Like, I mean, it's just, <laughs> you know, you're inconspicuous. Um, the, the Jack, but, like, yeah, the Jack breaking down, I don't know if I can do this scene. As I keep saying, this is the best yeah. stuff, which I just really, like, it's so good. Because, like, I remember watching this live. And, like, I remember, like, Jack, the moment when he goes, like, I can see it into his eyes. You're kind of like, oh, wow. And then all of a sudden when um, Fayed, like, uh, I did it. Oh, Al Saad. Terrorism 8, when he, like, does it and gets the information and Jack has that, I don't know if I can do this moment. Like, you're like, whoa. And then Jack's sort of, like, almost, like, getting back his craft from a terrorist. Like, it's it's yeah. ironic, whatever the word is. You kind of want to do it like it's interesting. They try and do this at the end of next season, which is one of my biggest gripes for season seven, when Jack befriends a like a, 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 I don't even know what he, I don't want to say the wrong thing. He's a religious man who basically Jack has to work with, who generally he's been fighting against. And it's very on the nose. It's very preachy. But um, this is kind of the stuff. But it's just like having Jack, like, I don't know if I can do this. Like it's going to lead into like the epic conclusion of episode four in this season. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's great. You're right. Did- Kiefer, some of Kiva Sutherland's best acting in all of 24 is in the first four episodes yeah. of this season. Did Did you make a note of what uh, Assad says to him when Jack says, I don't think I, I can think do this? I think it's like, you'll I learn or you'll it. get it back. Or like, yeah, it's, it's yeah, like, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll learn Pep talk. Yeah. Terrorists. I'm like, come on, but, man. But I, I think one of the other things that's interesting about it is that we just saw this in the second half of season five. This was pretty much identical to the same scene where he was talking to um, Henderson and his wife. And after he shot the wife and he goes, Oh my God, I, I can tell in her eyes. They're, they don't know anything. They're not going to tell me, you know? Uh, and now we're, we're having the same scene played out again, but last time Jack was right. And but, this time he's not, but that's that. And that's why like watching this, you believe him because generally Jack yeah. has always like, Jack is always right. Like that's going back to my point about like, mm-hmm. listen to Jack will be called 12. So like we know as a viewer after five seasons and two episodes that if Jack says, I can see it, you're not going to tell me anything like, you know, he's right. Um, yeah. Like remember back to season two when he's like banging on the door to the guy who's locked himself in the, the thing after mm-hmm. he's like worked on Frank's truck or whatever it is. Um, you know, you he's desperate there. Like there are moments where Jack knows there's nothing more he can do. So you believe him. So that's what makes this scene even more powerful. Like, this is like maybe the first time Jack has actually been like entirely wrong. We know we've pinpointed mm-hmm. things where Jack's been wrong in the past, but like as an audience, we we drink the Kool Aid. We're like, he's the wrongest Jack yeah. Bauer. This is the first time that it's visually Jack is wrong. Yeah. Outside of last year, the "How could I be so stupid" scene, which we criticized, but yeah. Uh, the, um, the, the, after the strike happens, this is where we do got, uh, Curtis on his <laughs> Curtis vision. On Curtis <laughs> TV. I'm at a compound. <laughs> there are bodies. Well, what makes it great is that you, you see all the bodies on the ground. And then what you see from the, the, the CTU view of this, there's a guy holding a steady cam yeah. following Curtis around. Like they are moving around the site. And Curtis, <laughs> this is like, he, he's raising, as you will see behind door number eight, the, he's like it, it's very like, much like, yeah, Curtis, yeah exactly. Stand no, 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 here. I think the lighting is better if you shoot me from that side. Uh, but but this is like Ludlow in The Lost World yeah. where he's like, let him take it around to see all the specimens we've covered. Good, good, good uh, comparison. It's, Which is bizarre. It's similar to last week, like where, where they blew up the bus and it's like, there's 28 bodies. Like here, yeah. they're there for 10 minutes. They've covered them in sheets. They've called their families. Like, they're like <laughs> how are they saying these people are still on fire? Their flesh is still burning. Like, I mean, I'm making Colin laugh, but like, 24 are good at their body recovery, which also can I just add, just tying into this, like, because Palmer's bit before, where again, to show the blase nature of our more terrorist attacks in the US, we see like CTU saying like, oh, there's been a bombing in Chicago and a bombing in Baltimore. And now we just had a near near attack here. Like, it's just like, they're so blase. People are dying. Oh, well, 48 dead in Chicago, which plot, plot hole. Last week, if you paid attention to the TV screens, there was a screen that said Chicago hotel bombing kills like whatever. In this episode, they imply it just happened. So, yeah. It, yeah, because it's it's as if when the, the terrorist attack happens or when the missed attack happens on the subway that's coming up here, that's when we start seeing all those flashes of the news. Like, it's happening everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. And, yeah, that's when you see the Chicago Hotel thing. Um, they're just really slow with the news. Why uh, do they Angeles. not lock down this city? Sorry to keep interrupting, but... Oh, I that's get, Wayne Palmer. That's on him. Well, I get last season Logan had ulterior motives to locking down, putting LA under, like, a, a curfew, but... Like, this is a city that has just had a bomb blow up. The train's about to go up in smokes too. Like, I'm sorry, there's more reason to put a city under curfew right now. Like, I mean, again, 9-11, they closed off Manhattan within an hour. You could not enter or leave, basically go to your homes, and that's a city of, like, 10 million people. Like, seriously, like, Palmer, like they're not very good presidents, the Palmers, are they? And nothing happens in the coming weeks either, does it? 
they never lock down the city because I think it's more like, oh, we don't okay. want to incite panic. I'm, the entire country, like, so I'm sure, like, freaking... San Antonio, Chicago, Los Angeles twice now. The, the terrorists are literally going down a list of bigger cities. They're getting down to, like, the capital of North Dakota soon going, fuck, we've done all the big cities. <laughs> Let's go to the capital of North Dakota. They're going into Canada soon. Regina. Let's yeah. blow up Regina. Might as well hit Regina. Fucking <laughs> let's get uh, LaSalle, Manitoba. We're <laughs> <laughs> running out of towns. Uh, eventually, they're just going to make their way to Snug. <laughs> <laughs> they're really going to have some Where's that Noah Groves are racist? <laughs> blow him up. Uh, so basically, Assad and Jack, they're their buddy uh, team up here. Um, Assad tells him, okay, there's two men down there. One is the bomber and one is the handler. The handler's oh, job is really only to pass up. Yeah, like, like I love getting into these details, like like the logistics of how the how these terrorist organizations work and everything. And even just the location of them getting down here into the subways is fantastic. It's something different. Yeah, they're doing it on a real location too, which is great. Uh, now, when they get on the train, this is where we get, uh, it's not ticket stub, but this is like a ticket, please, ticket, please. This, this is where Jack needs to go, ticket stub. <laughs> uh, but this guy's terrible. Like you've had terrorist attacks Already an hour earlier in Los Angeles on public transportation, a guy comes up with no badge, no identification, just says, I'm a federal agent. I'm tracking a terrorist. I need you to get off this train or whatever. The guy's like, okay, see ya. Get, <laughs> like, that's it. Get, open the door. Get off the train. <laughs> open the door. <laughs> but like, this guy's terrible. Dude. Public train. If it wasn't for the fact that it was public transportation, I may give it a pass. But this is right now where you'd be like, I'm calling my boss. I just heard the word terrorism and you're on a train. Like he's not caring about anything else. Jack says, I, ask for identification, anything. I get it. But I kind of want this guy to like, I, and I always have this memory that this is what happens. Like he kind I want this guy to about looking at Jack and going, mate, you didn't buy a ticket. Did you? Don't give me that fucking bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm going to try, I'm going to try that. Like if I catch a train like this week and I don't pay for a ticket, I'm going to take this head to come out to me. I'm federal agent Ben Waterworth. <laughs> that guy over there is a terrorist. Everyone evacuate to the back of the train. Everyone buggers off. I'm like, Phew, all right. I don't have to pay there my $3 train fare. <laughs> then you'll be forced to drive the train now because the driver's off to you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's that, 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 I heard terrorism. <laughs> it's that Air Force One scene when like Harrison Ford calls up like the White House switchboard and she's like, uh, like oh, the yeah. president doesn't call him. <laughs> you want to make a federal case out of that? Fine by me. <laughs> trace the call. Trace the call. And she, and she only believes it when she hears a Russian terrorist in the background going, God, God damn it, that up. Oh, for sure, I threw Mr. President. I, I know how to get through to the White House. I'll just have Colin in the background going, stand up, Mr. Biden. Oh, I'll put you right through, Mr. President. <laughs> now, now, do you see when Jack has the fight here with uh, the bomber, did you catch Jack doing his best Arnie impression? Uh, no. Oh, uh, so during the fight here, as they're like wrestling around, you actually hear, I'll try to do this in Kiefer's voice and not Arnie's, but it'll always come on Arnie's anyways. Yeah. And that's basically what he does. He does. He does the Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah, nah, nah, but it's like Kiefer, yeah, nah, nah. it's so funny. I love it. <laughs> Kiefer, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very yeah, distinguished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's drunken Arnold doing it. That's hilarious. Uh, but yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, and I mean, this is very much movie action sequence here. I'm like, it, it is. There's no realism to this, but just perfect moment. He kicks the guy right as he hits the detonator, flies over, but it is an epic shot, like oh, an epic, so epic shot. It's, Amazing. Right out the window, blows, uh, train derail or whatever. It just barely missed the, the attack. This is, um, I mean, this is why 24 was created because it was post 9-11. You needed to have this like action hero who you imagine being on one of those planes and like kicking them. Yeah. You know, like there's, there's the, um, one of the Family Guy episodes 
where like I think they go back in time and and they like Stewie stops nine eleven. So he like he's filming it. <laughs> And he's like, you know, filming him going, like stopping the hijacking and he becomes like a national hero because he stopped 9-11. Um, but like, this is a sequence. Like you've got Jack Bauer versus a terrorist about to blow him up. He kicks him off the, like, you need like, and Jack Bauer's not a one-liner guy. He's not a Bond. He's not an Arnie. But you yeah. need, you need like a <laughs> blow this or something like that. Or Alak <laughs> by yourself into the train tracks. So, I don't know. But like, because it, it is like confronting. Ticket stub. <laughs> Ticket stub. How about... Nine ten, bitch. <laughs> like I don't know. <laughs> like I mean, yeah, some sort of like things like that. But like, it's but it's it's so epic because you just you have like this moment. Everybody sees him do it. Like, and it's kind of like I mean, the, back remember season one when it was like he's on CNN just he's about to see Terry dead. Like it's all like and a man believed to be called Jack Bauer saved President Palmer. <laughs> This guy, like, there's people on phone. This, Jack is a fucking national hero after this. Like, imagine yeah. <laughs> right now if, like, somebody stopped something. like I mean, the United 93, a classic example. Those guys are heroes because they stopped. Richard Jewell. Yeah, Richard, like, these people like that. I mean, I hope we don't have a Richard Jewell situation with Jack Bauer, where he's, you know, <laughs> that went well, in a different direction. Wasn't that season five? <laughs> yeah. That was season five. <laughs> um, you know, don't, don't give any ideas to the 2028 Los Angeles Olympics, Collins. The first time we've had a Summer Olympics <laughs> uh, in America since uh, Atlanta. Uh, we just got cricket and squash in the Olympics. Don't take them away from us. Um, but... Yeah, like it's 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 just such an epic moment, and uh, this is where I think this slightly elevates it to last week because it's just it's just such a cool. You want Jack Bauer kicking a terrorist off a fucking train with a suicide <laughs> bomb vest on and just run, and but the, like, it's not like Jack like bows or like thank you, uh, like he just runs <laughs> and he's straight off to his job, and we get the terrorist guy like something's wrong. I don't see the smoke at Union Station, um, but yeah, it's it's a kick-ass moment, and that's what these first four episodes kind of each build to when it gets to the last four. Again, you can see why these were released on DVD. You can see this is the cliffhanger ahead of the Tuesday night two episodes. Like, yeah. they're solid enough that draw you back. This is why 24 did two-night, four-episode premieres. We talked about it back in season four that it didn't quite work because they didn't really know what they were doing at that point. But season five and season six, they did it. They knew what they were doing. And this is a classic example of it. So you, you want Jack Bauer kicking a suicide bomber off mm-hmm. a train. Like, it's, it's epic. And great, I, and great effects too. Can I just say too, like the, um, yeah. the, 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 it's very, like obviously it's filmed in some form of train set. So you feel very claustrophobic and it's like, we often can criticize television shows in the 2000s for their special effects, maybe not holding up to what we're used to now, but this shot of him going off and blowing up, like it's, it's, it's great. This is great for 2007 network TV. It looks really good. I mean, there's not much to talk about with the cliffhanger. I mean, after this, like you said, they're saying, okay, well, why didn't that one work? Doesn't matter. All of our other ones are going to work. Uh, there's a great line here that uh, Fayed has, though. He says something about the streets flowing with blood. I'm like, ooh, mm. that's a nice line. Yeah. That's a tagline right Fayed's there. Under, uh, Fayed's ever going to go down as it, but like there, is, there are moments, Fayed, because he does sort of get lost in the bow of family drama, but there's enough mm-hmm. to Fayed that I'm like, yeah, he's a solid villain. Like they could have done a lot more with him if this season yeah. had an actual connected plot that made sense um i like fired i think he's a very solid I, villain and adoni maropas is a great actor i i'm sadly i wasn't able to listen to commentary this week but they actually had that the, the guy played fired adoni maropas or whatever his yeah. name. they had him on the commentary with manny Cotto. i'm like i'd like to go back and listen to that still just you don't often get guest stars on here uh, and also to find out, so what, what ethnicity are you? Because we know they're not hiring Arabs for this show, uh, which I actually, in defense of this, because we've been talking a lot about this uh, lately, you know, between Exodus, Gods and Kings and 24, but uh, 
especially for this show, I think that there are probably a lot of Middle Eastern actors who probably would have said, I'm okay with them giving it to some Italian or Greek guy because I don't want to portray a character like this negatively. I Look, I don't know what his origin is. It doesn't tell me, but I can tell you he's from the great nation of Pittsburgh uh, in Pennsylvania. <laughs> um, it, it doesn't say... There's a better accent than Harry Lennox. <laughs> it doesn't say what his ethnic origin is. Um but he has a rare type. The Nation of Islam. That's what it's called. Nation of Islam. He has a rare type of diabetes, which helped him pursue an athletic lifestyle. He played tennis, basketball, <laughs> baseball, football, weightlifting, arm wrestling, fit, geez, everything. Um, and his favorite pastime is ping pong. Uh, apparently, he did a charity ping pong tournament. He played as Team Fayed, dubbed after his 24 character. There you go. <laughs> I like this guy. He Let's get him on the it. show. Aww. Good yes, on in him. case you missed it there, Nation of Islam. That's what the organization the is actually Islam. called. Oh, there you go. It only, yeah. it only it took real. you 58. Oh, he's got an official <laughs> website. I love it when people have official websites. Oh, I hope he also has oh. a podcast. He's and got a sexy sh- pictures of himself. He's got a very sexy picture. He's shirtless with a grey um, goatee <laughs> with an eagle or a hawk. Very sexy. <laughs> I like this. Um, uh, wow. I got to find this website now. Athlete. Um, and mostly oh. recognized as Fayed. There's a photo of him playing ping pong. Um, there you go. He's a fitness freak and all that. We can contact him. There you go. Oh, we got to have this guy on the show. Can we get him on the show? Adoni Mabropas. Yeah. All right. Let's send him an email. You keep talking. I'm going to send him an email right now. I you say you do gonna... that. Did you ever get that guy back from him? We keep telling you to do it. No, no, again, I didn't, I didn't have his contact information. He was the guy who dropped in contact and didn't know how Leslie. to use his phone. <laughs> <laughs> She'll get it for us. Um, so yeah, I mean Wayne obviously is told. There's another great one liner at the end here where Wayne's told uh, that uh, oh by the way we screwed up. Jack was right. And this is where they say this is going to get much worse, which is uh, you know my uh, it'll be my closing line. Uh, anyways, so uh, trivia for this episode. You already mentioned the thing about the uh, the dilapidated houses. This is uh, kind of you know a, a abandoned district that they just allow movies come filming because you're going to destroy the house anyways. Um, Regina King, first of nine episodes this season. Uh, Harry Lennox first episode of the season. Um, nothing else of note here, unless you have something else. Uh, or are you still in the middle? Uh, of I'm typing it, but two things I think of note. So the episode is dedicated. We get a dedication at the end. We had one of these a few oh, seasons yeah. ago from memory. So um, dedicated to Major Gerald Beave Bloomfield and Captain Michael Martini Martono from Gunshot 66. Their helicopter was shot down over Western Iraq, November 2, 2005. Now it's never, I can't find out, like I'm. maybe there was some, uh, background extras. They were um, consultants on the show. I don't know specifically what their role was in 24, but obviously dedicated to them, uh, which is, I th- yeah, I think the second time we've ever had that. The other bit, which is in the book, which I, I thought was for this episode, but it's actually in a couple of episodes time. And it gives us a couple of weeks to watch it because it's on YouTube. And I believe I watched it years ago on the DVD, but I can't remember it. So um, we talked about Stephen Merchant having a cameo last week. Uh, the other oh, office yeah. co-creator, Ricky Gervais, actually filmed a cameo. Mm-hmm. It was more done as a comedy bit. It wasn't like a legitimate one. But it's on YouTube. We should watch it because it was technically filmed during episode six. But the book sort of says in here that, yeah, Stephen Merchant and Ricky Gervais both filmed cameos because they were massive 24 fans. Um, obviously, Stephen Merchant appeared in the episode, whereas Ricky Gervais is more as a bit of a comedy skit. I think he compares, like, notes to elephant penises. He's in, like, the White House with, like, Karen. And I don't know if Wayne's in the scene with him. But I, I vaguely remember watching it years ago. But, um, yeah, Ricky Gervais filmed a cameo for 24. There yeah. you go. But it was not used. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still not as high on this. I loved last week's episode way more than I thought I would. Uh, this is still really solid, though. 
Uh, so I'm still going to buy it. And uh, you, you've bought it already. You already told us that. Uh, do you want to tell us where you ranked it? You said slightly above last week. So somewhere in the 30s. Uh, so sorry, you bought this episode. So let me just fix our little database up to reflect that. Um, I am, I'm buying it. Yes. Uh, I am ranking this. No. So I ranked last week's episode at 53. Uh, actually, 52, sorry. Uh, this episode goes one spot literally higher than it. So this will be 52. <laughs> so just slightly elevated over last week. Um, I, again, the, the ending scene to me is great. And also I do, as much as I'm nitpicking things about it, I, I do love Jack's you know slow descent into, I don't know if I can do this anymore, even though it does not last very long. So uh, overall, this will end up as 76. Um, so this actually ends up, three spots higher than episode one. So uh, season seven and the season eight episode will sandwich this. And I will spoil this right now. Next week will be slightly lower than these two episodes, uh, but very slightly. They all kind of blend in the first three before we get an amazing episode four. Where are you putting it, Colin? Uh, so this will be number 46 for me overall. Uh, so it is, um, how many are we at? It's about a third of the way through, I guess, of the episodes we've done. Uh, we're into the 130s, 120s. We're in the 120s somewhere. Uh, uh, we so are at uh, we are at the grand total. This was episode number 122. There you go. So it's it's pretty close to about the top third for me. We're actually uh, only I'm, that means we're about 10 episodes away from uh, breaking Third Watch as our longest ever TV show we've covered. Yeah, Third Watch had 132. So. Uh, 10 weeks' oh. time, we will officially, this will be the longest show we've ever covered on the Oz Network. Can I also just add, Colin, really quickly and That'll as well? be the only thing, only thing we're celebrating in 10 weeks. So um, it won't be the show. At least at the time of recording this, again, obviously, by the time this is aired and a few things sort of fluctuate around, happy episode 698 for you. You are only two episodes oh, away from you. reaching your 700th Oz Network episode. <laughs> so, uh, yeah! round of applause. Yeah! Yeah! You're welcome. You're welcome. Does it end? Does it end? No, <laughs> never. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know whether to be happy or sad at that, but <laughs> I'll take happy for now. Mate, I've done uh, 1,135 episodes, so... Um... <laughs> you really need to be sad. Uh, next week, uh, Harry Lennox is going to be detained. Yep. And um, uh, what else? Uh, anything else noteworthy that happens? I'm looking through some of the pictures here. Morris and Milo argue. Yeah. That's one of the um, screenshots. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything like uh, off the top of my head. Like it's it's not like say last week where it was Jack Bauer as a vampire. This week Jack Bauer kicks a terrorist off a train. Um, I don't know if there's like a massive standout moment next week from memory, but. Um, yeah, I mean it's 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 sowing the seeds. There's a car chase next episode, mm-hmm. um, and I think um, Scott's dad gets involved and in, on the journey uh, with Cal Penn. Y- yeah, I think there's not much time left for them anyways. There's a prison line. camp, like a prison escape or some. Well, that's sort the of Harry one. Lennox stuff, right? No, there's another bit. Like there's like a like a yeah, there's a facility thing. There's like a different prison thing from memory. Like uh, it's kind oh, of okay. there's, there's lots of prisons. I mean, it's America. You watched Prison Break after this. You missed 24. I'm from Australia. I live in a prison. I'm basically <laughs> descended from prisoners. Like, what can I say? Australia was formed as a prison, Colin. Like, I mean, come on. <laughs> it's very true. Uh, otherwise, we have Amazing Race episodes probably still coming out. Um, I trust you, Rocky. You know what you're doing. Uh, and uh, we are finishing up Dead Duck Month. If you heard uh, us talking about this dongs. Week. 
Well, well, is it that this week or is that next? Was that last? We week? do a six-hour film this week, ladies and gentlemen, in <laughs> the space of forty-five minutes. You're welcome. Yeah, and uh, trust me, it's worth it to listen, even if you don't watch the movie, because we get to talk about <laughs> Robert De Niro's dog. Considering this episode <laughs> alone is a forty-two-minute uh, TV episode that we've done in over an hour, so <laughs> I mean, go figure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, listen to find out how you can get onto Patreon and maybe you can also upgrade your package and then never demand anything of us. That's the ones we like the best. Uh, but if you demand something of us, we'll provide it because we always live up to our word and we always provide consistent content on Patreon. Just take our word for it. Uh, my name is Colin and uh, this is going to get much worse. And given that, again, I had literally wrote down one line, my name is Ben, and drop the coffee. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes Episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs) 